The following message is a presentation of Valley Metro Church, a community of believers dedicated to knowing God and making Him known. So I want to talk to you today specifically in the area of hearing from God, hearing from God. And we're calling this, God, is that you? Is that you, God? Is that you talking? Now, there's the glaring question when we talk about this, and this comes from, uh, you know, over the last few weeks, I've had many conversations with people um, that actually this topic has come up, and it's come up so many times, I really prayed about this, and I felt the Lord say, uh, look at the Word and explore what the Word says on this topic, because it's bubbling up around me in the family of believers in a lot of different ways. Um, This topic and this question of, does God speak in the first place? Does He even speak? Uh, And if he does, how does he speak and how do we know? And since we maybe don't know, maybe it's better that we just don't talk about God speaking. And there's a variety of persuasions, uh, even in the family of believers, when it comes to God speaking, does he speak or not? Some would say, some of my peers or friends would say, um, they don't believe God does speak because he already gave us the Bible, so he's already spoken, so we don't need any more speaking from God. Have anybody heard this? Uh, position too. Yeah, I know many, I have friends that are in this camp too. Now that sounds very practical. It does sound very practical to say, well, God has already written this, so we don't need any more. And that sounds very logical and it sounds very practical. But I can tell you something important. That's not what God said. God didn't say, I'm giving you this and I speak no more. God never said that. But we sometimes say that because it sounds logical and practical, and God did write this. And so the fact that God wrote this, some people would rather just say, okay, God wrote that, and we're just going to be shut down to the idea, the concept, or the premise of God continuing to speak, and actually sometimes have a problem that those that, that do believe that are function. I've seen tension, maybe you have as well, in the family of believers regarding God speaking. In fact, some people start entire different denominations over God does speak and he speaks a lot and we want to hear him speak all the time or God never speaks and we're not even going to have that conversation. And we see a polarized body of Christ, a polarized family of believers over the topic oftentimes of does God speak? Because that's kind of a supernatural thing. It's not normal. It's like God, the invisible, all-powerful creator, like speaking. I mean, what does that even look like? How does it even happen? And some people would say, if I haven't experienced it in my life, then God obviously doesn't speak. And somebody else would say, well, I've sensed him speak, so God does speak. And so we have this uh, great divide, if you will. And my prayer today is to, to, to let's look at what God says about God speaking. Amen? It doesn't matter what they say or they say. Let's look at what God says about God speaking. Wouldn't that be the great place to start? So we're going to do that today, um, and we're going to jump into a couple of different passages. Um, and you can look in your word, or we can put them on the screen, because we're going to bounce around a little bit on this, this topic. Um, but we've got to know what God says about his voice. The one thing you need to know is that God never said he would stop speaking. There's only one reference in 1 Corinthians of God referencing a time, a time when he will stop speaking. And that reference, the only reference in Scripture that I can find, you can correct me after the service if I'm wrong, if anybody knows, the only time that I have as being a student of the Bible for many years, the only time that I see God saying that there will be a a, a ceasing of these kind of gifts and hearing and all these other prophecy and things like that is when we see Jesus face to face. When we see Jesus what? That is when... There won't be any need for him, I think I heard, because we're going to be literally in his presence. And anything that has to do with that supernatural component of engaging God or hearing or conversations and stuff, we won't need that because we'll literally be in his presence. And uh, that's the only time that I've found in Scripture. So we need to look at what God says uh, about that. And if your own life, if, if you've, you know, and I've had some dear friends that simply have never heard God, and that's okay. Some people hear God once in a while. Some people hear God more often, but the point is, it's okay if you haven't heard God, and there's some great people who love Jesus and simply haven't heard his voice. That is okay, but how many of you know absence of evidence is not evidence of absence? Absence, if you don't have the evidence in your own life, it doesn't mean it doesn't exist, amen? Just because you don't have the evidence, we have to look at scripture for the evidence and say, okay, God, that's the way you say it's supposed to be. Even if I don't have that evidence in my life, 
if you say it, I'm going to aim towards that. Does that make sense? And if we also have experience that are far removed from the Bible, we want to say the same thing. I might be having the, these experiences, but the Bible says this, right? So we want to look at what God says about his own voice, and we want that to be our authority. Now, God's been speaking uh, to people uh, for a long time. Uh, when you look at the Old Testament, um, through the time of the judges and the time of the prophets, uh, Moses and all the way through, God never stopped speaking. Uh, he walked through the garden with Adam and Eve in the cool of the day and had conversations. Hey, Adam, where are you? Right? Eve, where, I mean, in the very beginning, we see God conversing. Even after the fall, we see God conversing. And so all the way through Scripture, the relationship with God is one that God converses with his people. How many of you guys know that a good father wants to speak to his children? A good father wants to speak to his children. Could you imagine a father that said, here's your instruction manual, read it. I'll check back with you later. Don't talk to me and don't expect me to talk to you. You got a question, go to the book. Read your instruction. A good father engages his children. A good father, and I, I would suggest that if we have relationship with God, the father wants us to have intimacy with him and communication we're going to see throughout scripture, I believe has been... Uh, key all the way through, and it doesn't stop in the New Testament. If, in fact, anything, it turns up uh, our capacities in the New Testament when it comes to God and God speaking, hearing his voice. Um, but in the Old Testament prophets, uh, God disclosed his ways, his nature, his instruction, his direction, uh, the way of life, the, the, the purpose and the pathways. God has been constantly downloading these to his people, for lack of better words, giving this instruction away. And it's come in a, a few various forms. A couple of key forms that it's come in it, through the prophets is, is through a vision. Sometimes it would be a vision. And you would write, read the prophet saying, on the day, Isaiah says, in that day I saw the Lord seated on his throne. I saw God just gave me this revelation and I I wrote down what God showed me, okay? Uh, sometimes in the Bible, they refer to those as seers because they were seeing a revelation from God. That was the terminology that the prophet received the download from heaven, so to speak. The revelation from God himself was through something uh, visual, so to speak. However, many other times it was auditory. It was actually heard. The voice of the Lord came to the prophet in the year of this. The voice of the Lord. And so they would say, God, I hear what you're saying, and they're writing it down, because the Bible says all Scripture is spirit-breathed, and no prophecy of Scripture came about by an author's own intention or writing. It was people moved along by the Holy Spirit, literally the Spirit saying, write this down. And so our entire Bible, guys, 66 books of the Bible, is God speaking through people. So there are so many other times in the Bible that God's speaking through people, and it's not a book of the Bible, it's just a story in the Bible, but God's been speaking to people all along. And I love what it says in Isaiah 30, 21. There's a great uh, verse about this. Now, that is not just talking about God speaking to a prophet. This is about God speaking to the chosen people. Uh, it's about God speaking to the family of believers. It's uh, uh, the people of Israel. Uh, in the Old Testament, it says in Isaiah 30, 21, uh, whether you turn to the right or to the left, your ears we'll hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it. God is telling this, he's not just telling Isaiah, hey, Isaiah, I'm having a conversation with you, let me direct you and write this down, you're a prophet and you're the only one who hears from me and I need, no, he's saying, this is Israel, these are my people that I love, I'll be their, my, I will be their God and they will be my people and I will make my dwelling among them. And as they're going down the road and they're going through life, if they're in relationship with me, if there's a sensitivity and they're intimate with God, there's gonna be, this is gonna be a natural overflow. They're gonna hear a voice behind them. That suggests that it's not some super loud glaring voice or a bullhorn. It's like, could somebody just say that? You know, uh, Maybe you've been walking down the road and you, you thought maybe you heard something behind you and it's not crazy loud, but you're like, was that somebody behind you? Did you hear a noise um, or whatever it is? And the Bible says God is going to be speaking and it's going to almost sound like it's behind us saying, this is the way to go. Walk in it. So God speaks these ways. God speaks these ways. I remember one of the first times I heard God's voice. 
I was a mechanic at a dealership, and I was new in the faith, playing rock and roll in all these clubs in Hollywood, and I just realized Jesus is real, and I just started reading the Bible, and I'm like, oh my goodness, this is real, this is true. How did I miss this my whole life? And so I started getting into the Bible and Bible studies, and, and I'm starting to change my life. I'm in this process of you know, just changing my life, starting to walk with God. And I remember so clearly, one day I was on the job, and one day God said to me so clearly, he said, and it was like, exactly like Isaiah, you will hear a voice behind you, behind you saying, this is the way to go, walk in it. it. God's instruction will be granted or grace to you. And again, it doesn't matter how often or people hear or don't hear, that's not the principle. We're talking about what God says about God speaking. I'm not just talking about my experience, but I do really appreciate when my experience lines up with Scripture. Hopefully we all appreciate when our experiences line up with what God says. It's a beautiful way to navigate life. And I was working that day, and God said so clear to me, simplify life and get rid of distractions. And I was like riveted. I remember exactly what I was doing at the time. I was a mechanic at a dealership in North Hollywood, and I was, had a big four-wheel drive truck, and I took off one of those tires that are like 35, you know, I was like this. I remember literally, and taking it, and life in my hands, I heard the voice of the Lord so loud and clear, simplify life and get rid of distractions. I was in such shock, I put the tire down, and I'm like, I went right over, and I went to write it down exactly, because I'd never heard anything like this before, and I knew it was from God, and I didn't want to mistake or miscue or misinterpret what it is, but, but God never told me what to simplify, and he never told me what distractions to get rid of, but I thought it was a beautiful download from heaven for God to engage his child that he loves. He knows his child loves him. A father wants to be in relationship with their children. A father wants to communicate with their children, and it was a critical time in my life for me to reassess what does it mean to simplify, and what does it mean to get rid of distractions. What I love about God's grace in this season of my life, God didn't just come and rip things out of my life and, you know, like some bull in a china shop. He wasn't this disciplinary father going, get that out of here and I'm not happy. It wasn't that at all. It's like, son, I love you. Simplify life and get rid of distractions. And it was almost as if God saying, there's going to be blessing on the other side of that, but I'm going to let you figure what that means and how to do that. So in my own life, I started to figure out, well, what, what kind of things do I have in my life that are actually taking up real estate in my mind or in my heart or in my life or with my time. And at the time, I had quite a few things, quite a few things. So I started to simplify my life and get rid of, I had a lot of toys in my life, race boat, I had a Corvette, I had a, you know, all kinds of toys because I built that stuff for years. And now that I'm in the faith, I felt the Lord saying, it's up to you. You can keep them all. They're not, it's not sinful. But if you're willing to, I got some real blessing on the other side. And little by little, I started to let these go. And I just felt the joy of the Lord and the freedom of the faith, these things that I had never expressed before because I listened to his voice. Um, and so God has been speaking that way to Israel for a long time. I love what it says in 1 Kings 19. Elijah is talking about how God engages and speaks to him. And, and what he says in 1 Kings 19, Elijah goes, I was looking for God's you know, revelation. I'm looking for his insight. I'm trying to hear from heaven. And, and he went through the storm and there's an earthquake and all this stuff. And he's like, God wasn't in the earthquake. I thought I'd hear him in that big rumble. It didn't happen. And then there was a storm. I thought I'd hear him in that. And then there was the wind. And I figured and I'd hear him through this blizzard or tornado. No, I didn't hear him that. He said, but then, then, in the still, small voice, heard him. God's speaking in a still, small voice. Would you say that still, small voice? Because that's the way God speaks, in a still, small voice. Like it says in Isaiah, the voice behind, the what? Not literally behind you, but where did that come from? I didn't see someone say it. Where did it come from? It's God speaking to your heart and trying to figure out where did that come from because you know you didn't make it up. And when you know it's God, it will, A, it will always line up with Scripture, but B, it'll, oftentimes whenever God's spoken to me, uh, it's stated in a way that I don't speak that way. Like the terminology or the phrase, I'm like, okay. You know, I, I, don't, I don't use those words in that kind of sequence. And so we're going to look at this in detail and how we can tell and verify and, 
and, and, and understand this. But that was in the Old Testament. God speaking to his people. He never stopped. Remember the first time with Adam and Eve and he showed up with Cain. He's speaking with Cain. He's speaking with Noah. He's speaking with Moses. He's speaking with Abraham. He's speaking with Isaac. He's speaking with Jacob. He's speaking through the entire Bible. He never stopped speaking. Now in the New Testament, for somebody to think that he would stop is a, is a contradiction. God's revelation only got greater in the New Testament. We got in on more. The curtain got pulled away. We got to step into intimacy and relationship with God in a way that was never available in the Old Testament. So in the New Testament, which by the way, if you're a Christ follower, we are in this New Testament age and the New Testament scripture is written to the followers and to the church. So all the more reason we need to see what is Jesus saying about hearing his voice. He knows best. And Jesus says that his followers will hear his voice and recognize it. He says, we will. He didn't say, I'm not going to stop talking and you won't hear my voice. He says, no, my followers will hear my voice and they will recognize my voice. Here's what it says in John 10, 27. I love the verse. We have it for the screen. It says, my sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. This is proposing to us that if you're a Christ follower that we are the sheep of his pasture if we are Christ followers. And as Christ followers, we literally will hear his voice. This is what he's saying. And recognize which voice it is. That to me is really, really profound. And so I want to give you a couple of key notes on hearing the voice of God uh, on, this, on this message today. God is that you. Here's the first point that's a takeaway. And I, and I want to say again, some have a lot of experience hearing God's voice. Some have very little. Maybe you've heard a couple things or God's shown you things through hearing or through circumstance, uh, or maybe you've never heard God's voice. It's okay no matter where you're at, uh, but here's the first point, is we should hear God's voice or at least desire to hear God's voice. We should, according to Jesus, my sheep listen to my voice. If you would consider yourself a follower of Jesus and one of his sheep, this is his instruction to his people that my sheep, my followers will hear my voice. So we should hear his voice or at least be open and desire to hear his voice. I think we should all be in that category. I, I don't think it's fair to scripture when we get so overly pragmatic that we say God already spoke, end of story, and some say the revelation has been sealed. Now let's talk about the revelation. This is inerrant scripture, right? This is inerrant. This is without error. So we have this and it is... It is amazing and beautiful and profound and complete. It is complete. But this isn't telling you whether you should quit your job or start this new job. This is the general revelation from God. It's not specific all the time. This is not telling you about a relationship you're in, about this crazy step of faith. You can be in here and you're trying and you're seeking God and you're, you're trying to get an understanding and you're like, wow, God, I really wish I knew from you whether I should do this. So there's general revelation, but what happens when God starts speaking? Things sometimes start to get more specific. And I believe God, the Father, loves his children and wants to engage his children. Jesus says, my sheep will, will, will hear my voice. So we should desire to, we should hear God's voice or at least desire to hear uh, his voice. That's really important. It goes on in that same chapter, John chapter 10, in verse four and five, Jesus is talking more about us hearing his voice and how natural this is, at least the way he's explaining it. He says that his sheep follow him because they know his voice. And, and he goes on in verse five to say, they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize the stranger's voice. Now Jesus is talking about not only do we hear his voice, but we begin to really recognize, oh, that's the Lord speaking right there. I've heard him before and now I'm really tuning my ear and recognizing and he's saying this because if a stranger's voice comes up, that we will go, that's not the Lord. That voice that I just heard, whatever that was, wherever that might have come from, that's not the Lord. And that's important because how many of you know the devil has a way of throwing fiery darts and thoughts? Has anybody experienced that? You got a thought, it's in rotation for a while, and you're like, where did that come from? You didn't ask for it, you didn't invite it, and yet it's in rotation somehow. And you're like, where does that come from? The enemy, the fiery darts of the enemy, putting thoughts and seeds of doubt or confusion or fear or temptation, whatever that might be. What does it look like? How do they get in there? We don't know, but the Bible says whenever they come up, 
take them captive and make them obedient to Christ because they got in rotation somehow and they're not from God. So guess what? He's, Jesus is saying, my sheep know my voice and they also know the voice of a stranger and they know how to make the decision to discern the difference. So here's the thing. Jesus is asking you and I to have voice recognition, voice recognition. Voice recognition is a new level of tech where it could recognize certain people's voice. If any of you have a, a Google Home thing or one of these things, a Siri or an Amazon or a, a you know, a, what's the Amazon one? It's the, you got the C- Alexa. So we were with the kids and asked, we had, uh, we don't have Alexa, but we got the Google Home one. So we said, uh, hey, Google, who's smarter, uh, you or Siri or Alexa? And, and it was funny. It said, well, we're actually all very competent. And we all get along with one. It didn't. I thought I was going to say, I'm smarter than it. But it was really funny how they answered that. Like, uh, but the point is, that it's, they're working with this new level of vocal recognition. When you say something, it turns on and it tries to engage you. Um, and, and in this level of tact, there's voice recognition for a point of identification. Listen, as a follower of Jesus Christ, as a son or daughter of God, living in the times that we're now where there's so many voices... So many voices, 800 channels on the TV and 50 billion channels on the internet and a million Spotify channels and you got, you got millions of download options of podcasts and everything. You got stuff coming at you that no one in history has ever had the amount of information coming at them as you do right now and here today. Never before has any society on the planet been, had so much information and sound thrown at them as you and I do right now. All the more reason where we have to have vocal recognition and know the voice of Jesus in different voices, amen? Our second point this morning is this, guys. There are three voices we may hear. God's, ours, or the devil's. God's, ours, or the devil's. Voices come up all the time. Not literally a loud, audible voice, but the still, small voice, the one that God speaks in. Just, uh, what, is that my conscience speaking to me? Is that, did that come from a an idea I have? Is that something that I really want to believe? Is that something that somebody told me and now I'm thinking about it again? Like, where did it come from? And sometimes we don't sort them and separate them. We're going to see what the scripture says about how to do that. But this is important because voices come up and Jesus says, listen, uh, you're going to have to be able to have vocal uh, recognition. Uh, and that's why the Bible tells us, the Bible tells us to test everything. Everyone say, test everything. If you get one thing out of today's message... Test everything, amen? God speaks, test everything. Would you say that with me? God speaks, bam. If you get one thing, that's all you got today. God speaks, test everything. That's a beautiful place to land. We can take an offering and go home now. No, I'm kidding. Um, But honestly, God speaks, but test everything. And this is where the challenge comes in. I've talked to some friends and peers that don't want to test. They don't even want to get into that. They would just rather look. This is the complete revelation. End of story. We're not going to test anything. We're not going to hear. We're not going to talk about that. Uh, We're upset if anybody does. And let's just turn that off and let's close that chapter. And some do that. And they can migrate into their whole denomination of cessation, cutting off anything supernatural, including God speaking. Now, I will want to be fair. I also have some friends that the idea of hearing from God and God speaking is so overwhelming, so overwhelming, that sometimes you can get really wound up, and I just want to hear from God all day, and all we want to do is pray and get words all day, all the time, and everything, and it's like, well, we're going to see in a minute that if we're not in this, we have no way to test that, amen? We've got no way to test it. We could be off the rails out here. A whole group of well-intended people could be off the rails because they have no way to test it. That's how central this revelation is. Um, so it's really, really important. First uh, John 4, 1 says this about testing the spirits. And, and it's pretty intriguing the way it says this. Uh, it says, dear friends, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God because many false prophets have gone out into the world. It's interesting that it's saying, do not believe every spirit. If I were to ask you, how many conversations with spirits have you had? <laughs> You'd say, uh, I don't have conversations with spirits, pastor, uh, at all, okay? Uh, but the Bible's saying, test every spirit, meaning there is a spirit behind the voice that you heard. You see what it's saying? There's a spirit behind the voice that you, you heard a voice, you heard an idea, And there's a spirit behind it. Do you remember when Peter told Jesus, Jesus said, look, I'm going to be going to the cross. And Peter's like, there's no way, Lord. They got to go through me first. They're not going to touch you. You know, and he's like, get behind me, Satan. And you think, and how did Peter turn into Satan so quickly? 
It's not that Peter turned into Satan. Jesus loves Peter. But the spirit behind which Peter said that you're never going to the cross, Jesus, there's a spirit behind that. And it wasn't Peter. It was the devil. And that's why Jesus spoke about the spirit behind it and said, get behind me, Satan. Do you guys remember that? Peter's not Satan. The voice that said this thing wasn't from God. He's saying the same thing. Test the spirits. There's voices and options and opinions and persuasions and uh, suggestions and revelation. There's all kinds of stuff coming at us. And, and the Bible doesn't say stop doing that. It doesn't say that. It says test them. Uh, do not believe every spirit, meaning there's going to be ideas and suggestions and um, persuasions. Do not believe every spirit, but test them to see whether they're from God. Remember, Jesus said, my sheep will hear my voice, and they'll also know the voice of a stranger. This is Jesus. This is the kingdom. That is not. That's the zone that he is calling us to be in. God is saying there will be other voices. There will be other voices. That's what he's saying. There simply will be other voices. Um, so you and I, we need to learn to discern his voice. We need to learn to discern his voice. And that's our third point this morning, if you're a note taker. Learn to discern the voice of truth. That's the only way we can test. Otherwise, everything is random. Everything is haphazard. Everything is hopeful at best. And so that's why some don't want to get into that zone. And let's just cut it off, put it away. End of story. We don't talk about that. That's crazy now, that conversation of hearing from God. We just function in the very practical, pragmatic things. And, and, and then some over here aren't checking, discerning voice of truth. And they could get carried away with things that are, you know what I mean? They're, they're, they're not lining up with God's will at all. Even though they feel it is, they're not. And the zone is to learn to discern, because Jesus said, my voice will know my, my sheep will know my voice, but they'll also know the stranger's voice. When they hear the stranger, they will not follow. When they hear mine, they will follow. And just like 1 John is saying, you're going to hear things with a spiritual connotation behind them. Learn to discern and test the spirits, which ones are from God and which ones are false. So uh, that's really important. It's almost like in your car, you know, your radio, it's like, you know, you know, you got to tune it in and stuff like that. You got to get it to the right. But sometimes you're traveling and you're a little off and it's not really coming in and you're, you're trying to lock in on a frequency. And if you're not locked in the frequency, you're getting uh, distortion. You and I need to tune, uh, tune our ears to the frequency of heaven. Uh, we need to tune our ears to the frequency of heaven. God, what is you? God, is that you? Uh, I'm hearing something. I have this idea, this thought. But God, I need to know if it's from you. I need to learn to discern whether this is your truth or there's something else. Maybe it's my own flesh, my own idea, my own desire screaming out. How many of you know the flesh cries out? The flesh cries out. Our ideas, our things we want to go after. People will take something they want badly and they'll justify it as being from God. Has anybody experienced that before? Right? Take your own idea and say, oh, I think God wants me to, and really believe it, but never really learn to discern, is it me? Is it God? Is it the devil? Like, where is it even coming from? Have I even learned how to test these sort of things? Really, really important. But here's the thing. He gave us tools. He didn't leave us as orphans. He gave us tools for you and I to discern. So it's not a matter of whether God does speak or doesn't speak. God still speaks. He never said he would stop. But it is a matter of learning to discern, God, is that you? Is it not you? Or how do I tell what category this belongs? How can I discern? So uh, the, tools, the tools that humanity has used for discerning direction uh, over the years, if you look historically, one of the, one of the most powerful tools used to discern direction uh, for you know, thousands and thousands of years is, is a map. Uh, we have found ancient maps from different places that are marking, you know, it could be anything from a pirate's treasure to where something is geographically, but forms of maps to say, you are here, you pass this, and then you get to that, and that's how you're going to know where it is. So a map is a profound way, it's one of the oldest method, and God gave us a very priceless map. He gave us his word. How many of you know Psalms uh, 119 says, your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path, Right? so that you can be walking through a jungle of a world that we're in, and God's word will illuminate your path. And now everybody doesn't have their path lit, and if they're not using God's word, but if you're using his word, it's like you've got this million, you know, candlewatt power beam, you know, lighting up your path, because God is showing you 
uh, the pathway. He's giving you revelation. He's giving you uh, direction. So we have his word as our roadmap. And I'll be honest with you, uh, when I was younger in New York City, I joined the Boy Scouts when I was a little kid because New York was a pretty funky town and we needed to get out of the city to get out into the country to learn how to tie knots, light fires, and figure out how to get out of a, a problem where they drop you off in the middle of nowhere and you've got to figure out how to get out and you, you need a map. Because with the map, you can at least start looking at the mountains and go, okay, I think that's that mountain and I think that's maybe that over there. So I, I think that means I must be here. And so therefore, so, so we need the map. And, and, and in our lives, we, we do as well. God gives us um, his word. And so the fourth point this morning is exactly that. This is such a powerful component of truth because this becomes the regulator of all other revelation. This regulates it all. So uh, the fourth point this morning is God is still speaking through his word, refer to that voice first. He's still speaking through his word, refer to this voice first. This is the first voice. The reason this is the first voice is this voice begins to discern all other voices, amen? But some put this down. They don't refer to the map. They don't open it. They don't want, no. And I've talked to some. It's like, but that's, and I've heard this, that's old revelation. We want fresh revelation. Be careful, because you don't even know what that revelation is unless you know this revelation, amen? This revelation discerns all others, and that's the powerful truth about this. And sometimes if you're seeking God and you're praying and you're asking God to speak to you, sometimes God does. Like, he literally will speak to you a word of insight or uh, in some kind of way he will speak to you in his voice. And other times you'll find out if you're sitting with God and you're spending intimacy with God and devotional relationship with God, his word is a light onto your path. Sometimes you're reading his word, you just pray and you just read his word, and something is going to jump off the page. Have you ever had a scripture jump off the page, anybody? Literally, I mean, not hitting you in the face, jump off the page, page, but kind of shake you a little bit. Has anybody had that? Yes, that's the spirit of God who wrote the Bible telling you, Psst, this is for you. That's powerful. That means this is a 3,500-year-old text. Some of it is, and some of it's 2,000 years old, the New Testament. But this is ancient scripture that is timeless and still alive. The Bible says it's alive, living and breathing. And so as you get in it, you're reading you know, this ancient text, and the Spirit of God's going, Psst, this is for you right now. And you're like, wow, that is profound. God speaks to you through the scripture. So the, it's not the only way he speaks, but I got to tell you, this has to be the one that tests everything else. God is still speaking through his word. Refer to that voice first. Amen? That's important, guys. Um, and, the, and the fifth point is that the Bible is the voice that discerns all other voices. This is the voice of truth that discerns all other voices. Uh, including not just the devil, because the devil had a way of spinning things. Remember when Jesus got tempted up in, uh, in the desert after Jesus was bat? The devil came to him, and the devil even tried to throw scripture at Jesus. Isn't that crazy? The devil's trying to throw scripture at Jesus. But if you know the truth, you would understand the devil threw it completely out of context. Completely out of context. And Jesus is like, that ain't true. In fact, the opposite is true. And he came back with the authority of Scripture as a response. It's like the devil took out a pocket knife and Jesus pulled out a sword. It's like, don't come to a a sword fight with a pocket knife, devil. You know, he's taking the word and trying to use it like this way. And if we don't know this, you might actually believe him. And Jesus actually said, that's not what it really says is this. And he took out the authority of Scripture. And the devil, you know, know what the Bible says about the devil? The devil's like, look, I can't even fight this fight anymore. If you're going to take out the word and use it in its context, the devil's like, I'm out of here. And it says he left for a more opportune time. Like, I'm going to come back when Jesus is weak. This is not working. Jesus is using the authority of his word against me in context, by faith. I got nothing. I I can't even be in the same area. So the devil has to leave and to flee. But the Bible is the voice that discerns all other voices, including our own desires, We have these desires that pop up in our life and we really think, well, maybe it's God and we really want it and we're praying for something we really want. We're going to talk about that in a second too, but the bottom line is this discerns all other voices. 2 Timothy 3.16, you're familiar with the passage. All scripture, all scripture, everybody say all scripture. It's God-breathed or spirit-breathed. All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, correcting, rebuking, and training in righteousness so that the servant of God, that's you, 
uh, may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. God's saying, I'm giving you everything you need for life and godliness so you can have full understanding. Even if you don't know it all, you have it to learn it uh, so you can know what is good, what is not good, what is righteous, what is not righteous, what, what needs correction, what needs encouragement, what is powerful, what is not, what is real, what is counterfeit, what's authentic, what's going to last forever, what won't. I mean, the scripture's got all this there for us, breathed by the Spirit. So here's the deal. If, if you're lost, if you're ever lost, you definitely want a map. Um, the only problem with a map, it usually works, but sometimes it doesn't work. If you uh, get up one day and you're uh, trying to find, get your way out of somewhere and it's so foggy and you got your map in front of you and you take your map and you're stuck in the middle of somewhere you've never been, you put your map down, you're trying to figure out where you're at, but you're looking around and you're like, I see mountains on the map and stuff, but I don't see any mountains. In fact, I don't really even see the sun. I can't tell which is east and west, and, but I got a map, so the map is good. I believe the map is probably accurate, but I just don't know what to do uh, with this map. All I see is maybe an outline of a mountain, but I can't even tell where the sun's coming up or coming down. Well, then you need the next powerful resource, and it's not just the map. It's the compass. It's the compass. And the cool thing about the compass is you can take your map and go, I don't know which way I should turn it. Maybe we're facing this way, so I think we go that way. And someone goes, no, actually, we're facing that way, go that way. So you're trying to use your map, you're trying to follow the map, but you don't know which way to turn the map. Does that make sense? Don't know which way to turn the map. Here's the thing. You put down the compass, and the compass points to true north or magnetic north. And based on where it points, then you put your map, and you turn the map to line up with the compass, amen? And now your map is in the exact place you need to be. So somebody could have blindfolded you and spun you around a hundred times. It doesn't matter. You put down your compass and the map and you go, the map goes exactly that way. So that means I am here and I know exactly where I'm going now. Does that make sense? So God just didn't give you a map of his word. He gave you the compass of his Holy Spirit on the inside of you to point you to true north at all times. So when you have the map and the compass... You can't get spun out of control. You can't get, uh, you know, bl- you know uh, covered with a, a bandana and spun around and get all confused. You can go no matter where you're at. Well, the compass says this and the map says that. I know where I am in relationship to everything now. And that's what God's giving, given you and he's given me. Uh, and that's important because you can't even understand this Bible, this book, because the Bible says without the spirit of God, you cannot discern the things of God. So there's some people that try to use this roadmap and, and they can't really make heads or tails of it. And the reason is, is because the Spirit of God is the one who has to bring it to light. And the Bible says that uh, to us in 1 Corinthians 2.14. He brings illumination. He lets us see it for what it really is. Uh, so if you ever picked up the Bible when you weren't a Christ follower, you might have gone, that's weird. I don't know what it means. I'm kind of confused and whatever. And you put it down because there's no revelation, there's no illumination to it. But as you begin to seek God and follow God, he puts his spirit in you and you become a Christ follower and all of a sudden the spirit in you is the same spirit who wrote this. And now you've got the map and the compass in agreement with one another. And it says this in 1 Corinthians 2.14, the man without the spirit does not accept the things that come from the spirit of God for they are foolishness to him and he cannot understand them because they are spiritually discerned, spiritually discerned. So here's our, here's our last point this morning is this. The Holy Spirit discerns the voice of truth and speaks to our heart. It's the Holy Spirit who discerns the map. Remember the compass discerns which way to put the map? The Holy Spirit discerns where to put the word and where you and I are in relationship to the word. And so the Holy Spirit discerns all of that stuff. The Holy Spirit, if we get a word over here and it's outside of that, the Holy Spirit discerns based on this and based on where you want and based, and based on what God says, here's where that fits into this. Does that make sense? Does it line up? Does it fit in or does it not fit in as you and I test uh, the spirits? Um, but he's always, the Holy Spirit is always, Jesus said when the Holy Spirit comes, he's going to remind you. He's going to remind you, John 14, 26. But the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you. Now to teach, you've got to speak to teach. Will teach you all things and remind you, remind you. How do you remind somebody? Psst, psst, hey, remember what you said? 
you remind them, you say something, you encourage, there's voice to that, there's, there's dialogue of some sort, whether God's speaking through his word or reminding us by his spirit with a prompting of the spirit, with the leading of the spirit. Um, the Bible says those who are led by the spirit are children of God, that we're supposed to be led by the spirit. If we're Christ followers, that's the way it's supposed to work. Uh, so he's always reminding us and he's always teaching us what Jesus said. And this is, uh, yeah, Romans eight fourteen. those who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God, which is monumental and epic. That suggests God loving us and communicating with us and leading us and speaking to us and showing us. Um, the last scripture I want to share is this one, guys, in Revelations two twenty nine. You don't have to turn there. But this is something that's been said by Jesus a number of times, and it comes up in Revelation. And it's indicative to this whole topic of God... Does God speak or does he not speak? And I think we've seen from God's own words that he does speak and he never stops speaking, nor did he suggest he's going to until we see him face to face. We don't need supernatural revelation because we're going to be in his presence directly. But it says this in Revelation 2.29, anyone with ears to hear must listen to the spirit and understand what he is saying to the churches. Jesus said it too, those who have ears to hear If you have an ear to hear what the Spirit is saying, meaning the Holy Spirit is speaking and is trying to show us something, do we have any idea of what the Holy Spirit is saying? Those letters in Revelation, not only was that a historic reality, but that's a future reality for all churches to look at those churches and say, where do we line up with these kind of churches? What kind of church are we? And he's even saying futuristically, as we look at the present and the future, do we have ears to hear what the Spirit is saying? Again, we test everything. We've got to test everything because this revelation discerns all other revelation. But listen, to actually do what some have, I think it's very short-sighted, and I think it's kind of robbing God of his fullness. When we take things of God's revelation and we just put them away and shut the door and close it down, I don't think that's fair to God's truth. I don't think God says he would ever stop speaking. And when we do that, I think we do a disservice to the family of believers and to God's nature. But I also want to be fair when we go out here and running with words and revelations and we're, and we're not even checking our source material, we can also be doing a disservice. Does that make sense? And so some have had problems over here with people over there running off the rails and people over here have had problems with those who don't even believe and function in this. But I'm telling you, the New Testament church, when you look at the book of Acts, when you look at the letters of the church functioning in spiritual gifts and believing God still speaks and testing everything, Uh, It was a beautiful community, and it was a thriving community, and I believe that's where God is calling us as well, so that's really important. Um, So the worship team's going to come up. I just want to share these last couple of little pieces with you, these last little tidbits. This is for you to test, to test the voice of God, to test the voice of God, and this is important because you and I, uh, we have our own feelings, and we have our own desires, and a lot of times we're praying for something, and we're like, Lord, I hope I get that thing, you know, I really want that thing, and you know, whatever it is, you're praying for this thing, and you really, really want it, and so what is God saying? Mm, I don't know, but I think he's saying that, I think we naturally lean into the things we want. Uh, how many of you heard the, uh, the statement, people hear what they want to hear? And it's very true. People often do hear what they want. It doesn't mean God's saying it. People do often hear uh, what they want to hear, and so uh, we have to be cautioned when we talk about voices Uh, Remember, Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice and they will know the voice of the stranger and they will know my voice. Uh, But the first thing is uh, when you're testing the voice is is what does God already say about it? Like this topic, say say like we're trying to build something and we're about to do something and we're about to jump into this big uh, business plan that's gonna, we think gonna blow up, right? And we're like, I really want it to happen. So I'm gonna do this thing, right? God, is it cool? And I think God's saying, yes. Well, what does the Bible already say about it? Say, for example, you're a partner in a business and you're about to uh, start a partnership with somebody else and gonna make a bunch of money or you think you're gonna make a bunch of money and you're praying about the answer and they're like, yeah, God said do it. God said do it. Did he? Yes, he said do it. Are you sure? Uh, I think he did, yeah. Um, But what does the Bible say about that? Well, the Bible says don't be unequally yoked with a non-believer, right? So say you're trying to live your life with integrity, God's way, and you're, you're jumping in with a business partner who is an atheist and has got no respect for these hardcore principles that you know you need to live by because we're going to stand before God one day, right? But we choose to ignore that and to do something anyway. That's not the kind of thing God, God wouldn't say, forget about what I said. Put that away. 
I'm saying something. That he, does that make sense? He's not going to deny his own word. Does that make sense? So what does God already say about it? What does God's word already say? That's the first way to test it. And then the next thing is this, guys. Um, a lot of time in life, we go through these trials and we don't like them. And to be honest with you, we want out. <laughs> we want out as soon as possible. I don't care if it's a tough job, a tough relationship, a tough situation with a neighbor. It could be anything, a family, whatever it is, we're like, you know what? No one enjoys this. We would really like to be out of that environment or that situation. Maybe you're praying. What is the answer? God, speak to me. God, show me. Uh, the second point is this. Um, ask, is God taking me out of a situation or is God taking me through a situation? And the reason I say that is because most of the time in Scripture, God didn't just yank people out of something that was a, a trial. Most of the time in Scripture, people learn to walk with him and navigate the trial. And that's why the Bible says, consider it all joy when you go through these trials. God's like, I'm going to produce something in the trial. If you walk with me in it, I'm going to produce character and perseverance and all these cool things. So we don't often see people go, God, I'm not really liking this, and God just snatching them out and putting them on a mountain somewhere else and just taking them out of their environment. We usually see God bringing people through. So God, is that you? Is that you, God? What has your word already said about it? Am I trying to get out of my trial, or are you bringing me through the trial? These, these are ways we test it. The third one is this, is, is does, does the spiritual counsel in your life agree? Wise is the counsel of many. If you're in the family of believers, you should have other believers around you who have a high respect for God's word and are also sensitive to the Holy Spirit. They have the roadmap and they have the compass of the spirit. And that's how they try to do life. And as your friend, hopefully they'll tell you the truth and say, I don't know, I'm going to pray about that, but I, I, don't, I don't think that's God. Or yes, I think that is God and you probably need to move on faith on that one. Even though you want more proof, God might be telling you to take a step in faith because that does line up with his word. I'm praying about it. I sense the same thing. And you have godly counsel in your life, godly friends. If you're married, your spouse, your spouse is a believer, your spouse has the Holy Spirit in them as well. What do you think? And, and this is the way we test. God, what does your word say about it? Are you taking me out of something or through it? You usually take us through. You could take me out, but that's not typically the way you, you do something in this process of sanctification and what does the godly counsel in my life say about it is an important one. And, and the last one is simply this. Is God giving you a peace about it? Is he giving you a peace about it? How many of you know that peace is the fruit of the Holy Spirit? Uh, we can't really make up our own peace. We can't fake ourselves or psych ourselves out to get peaceful. It doesn't really work. Um, God can give us peace. He is the prince of peace. Uh, peace is a fruit of the Holy Spirit. And sometimes when you're praying about your answer, you're like, God, is, should I do this? Is this you? Um, and you're trying to discern. Sometimes his answer comes in the form of peace, where we get very settled. An amazing scripture in Colossians 3.15, it says, let the peace of Christ rule, rule in your heart. In, in the Greek, that means let him be the umpire. <laughs> let the Holy Spirit be the umpire of peace in your life. Let him call the balls and strikes, amen? Does that make sense? The umpire is the one. It doesn't matter what the batter thinks. It doesn't matter what the pitcher thinks. It doesn't even matter what the crowd thinks. The umpire is calling the balls and strikes. Let the Holy Spirit, let the peace of Christ rule in your heart. Let the peace of Christ be an umpire. Let it be a weighing factor on what's in and what's outside the zone. Does that make sense? So we first check our word. We we. We ask, are we trying to get out of something or are we willing to go through it with God and walk with Jesus through this storm? We check with godly counsel in our life because God put godly counsel in our life. If we're willing to go there, I think we need to. And God, are you giving me peace about it or not? Because if you are, I'm going to just have to walk this out. Even though I don't have proof, you're giving me a peace and it does line up with your word and here goes. And if God's not giving you peace, you don't want to violate that because the umpire is saying, don't do it. And sometimes our flesh is like, yeah, but... So these are some great ways, guys. This is not an exclusive way to test everything, but these are profound ways to test. Does God still speak? Yes. Desire to hear his voice if you don't hear his voice. If you don't, it's okay, but at least desire. The Bible says he still speaks. Test everything and be open. We're living in a time where you got more voices coming at you than any generation on the history of planet Earth. And God has us here where if we're not discerning his voice, 
we won't know what category to put all others. We'll be calling everything a strike when everything is really a ball. Don't swing at it. Don't swing at it. Don't swing at it. Don't swing at it. Holy Spirit's like, swing at this one. Bam. Let the Holy Spirit be the umpire of peace in your life and discernment in your life through the roadmap of Scripture and godly counsel and these other resources he gave us. So my prayer is that, guys. I pray that we're hearing from God more clearly than ever before. My prayer is that we're tuning our ears to the frequency of heaven. My prayer is that we are open to God's communication through times of intimacy with him and that we, we don't shut him out or shut this down, but we encourage and test others in the godly things. The early church functioned this way and they flourished this way. So I want to close in prayer, ask God to seal some of these things in our hearts this morning. Maybe you're here today and there's an area where you really need God's direction on something. Or maybe some of you need to hear God's voice in some area. Maybe you have a question, a problem, a challenge, a dilemma, a, a choice to make. Um, and if that's you, I just want to ask you to stand up with me. I'm just going to ask God to uh, honor our request that we make by faith um, this morning. So mighty God, we love you. Uh, we are your children and uh, we are the sheep of your pasture. And uh, Jesus, you said that your sheep, the ones that follow you, uh, will actually hear your voice. Uh, you said we won't follow a stranger. We'll learn to discern the voice of truth. Uh, Lord, so the principle of you speaking is a reality spiritually. But how you speak or how often or when we hear you is a whole other story. Uh, but you do say no matter what, test everything. But I pray right now, God, uh, for all of us in this room that, that need an answer in some area. You said if anyone lacks wisdom, let them ask. And God will give abundantly and without reproach that you, we have to believe by faith, you will give us wisdom. And I believe the wisdom comes from sometimes you communicate it, sometimes you show it, sometimes you reveal it. But God, we're coming before you this morning because we have some questions, God. We would like some answers, Heavenly Father. And you are a good God and you love your children and you're in relationship with your children. So I pray you begin to speak to us, Lord, in ways like never before, God. Uh, when we're in your word, you speak to us through your word. When we're in times of prayer, we would hear you speak in a still small voice that we'll learn to test things, God. Not weird or kooky, but people who are thriving and hearing the voice of God and functioning in faith and being the world changers you're calling us to be, God. So reign in our lives through glorious things. We love you. We thank you for it by faith, trusting you're about to speak to your people. In Jesus' name, and God's people said, amen. Amen. This has been a presentation of Valley Metro Church. To hear more messages or to support future podcasts, please visit us at valleymetrochurch.com.